You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. You know, because I think in sports, again, you're used to at that level being like, my my work and my role is to do this thing and to do it really well and to get better and, you know, just to win or just be really good. And I think sometimes if people aren't the people surrounding the athlete <laughs> or the athlete doesn't feel like they have room to actually be kind of a full person or advocate for themselves or like, you know, it's, it's your career, you're making money from it. Um, I think there's just pressure and the person's not actually allowed to be a full human <laughs> in many ways. The thing I'd say is it's nice to see athletes actually be like, hey, I have needs, I have an identity, I have things I want to do or don't want to do, um, whether it's depression or anxiety or mental health issue and maybe like you know i i really don't like doing this aspect of my work or i'm not in the space to for whatever reason and if i was at a job hopefully people would accommodate that right because i'm doing all these other things for them um so so it's nice to see people speaking up more and actually just being kind of full humans <laughs> and not just this performing person that entertains us that was Dr. Corey Niamora. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, Marnie on the Move listeners. Welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. I hope you've had a great two weeks catching up on a few episodes from our archives with some of our Favorite guests, fashion designer Cynthia Rowley, voiceover star Andia Winslow, endurance sports fashion designer Kristen Mayer of Betty Designs, and Steve Smith from Castelli Cycling Brand. While you were listening, I was busy locking up our fall content calendar, optimizing a few new content channels on LinkedIn and uploading more video clips from our podcast combos to YouTube. And I set up a new Marnie on the Move Insiders private Facebook group because we have lots of fun activations, promos, and giveaways kicking off after Labor Day. But more about that later. I've also been super busy training for my upcoming 70.3 on August 23rd in New Hampshire, Timberman, which is historically has been one of my favorite triathlons. And the course is totally new this year, so I can't wait. I also signed up for my first century ride, Escape New York, on September 25th. And the Rock and Roll DC November 13th half marathon. So basically, I planned my entire training schedule through next summer based on sports per season because there's just so many I want to do. My vacation is officially a wrap. And yes, that is how I spent my two weeks off. And now you are up to speed on all things Marnie on the Move. I'm excited to connect you with today's guest and the timing couldn't be more perfect. Dr. Corey Niamora, clinical sports psychologist endurance sports athlete and running coach, and founder of Endurance, a sports and psychology center. With offices in Berkeley, Davies, Pinole, and Sacramento, California, with virtual offerings as well. But before we dive into our conversation, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed 
recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. And use our code CHEERSMARNIE for 25% off. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to our guest. On this episode, Dr. Corey Niamora and I sync up about mental health as it relates to endurance sports racing and training, the pandemic and post-pandemic impact on athletes, where his journey into sports and psychology began, and where they now intersect. And if you're looking for a super fun adventure, Corey talks about his very cool running tour program that takes runners to Kenya to experience the rich culture and running tradition there. So check out his Run in Kenya program on his website, which will be linked in the show notes. All right. If you like what you hear, you know the drill. Head over to your podcast app on Apple. Click on the Marnie on the Move podcast and scroll through the episodes. Click on five stars and leave a review. It's easy. Also, don't forget, sign up for our newsletter, the download, and share what you're listening to on your social channels and tag us. We'll tag you back. Now, on to my conversation with Dr. Corey Niamora. Thank you so much, Corey, for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to sync up with you. Yes, same here. Thanks so much for inviting me. You are the first psychologist and sports psychologist that I have had on the podcast. And I think it's one of the most important things for athletes, recreational, professional, at any level, to really consider their mental health as well as their physical health. And I know you're also a triathlon coach. And I think, you know, we always say as triathletes and coaches, you know, we always say nutrition is like the fourth sport, but I really feel like the conversation needs to shift to talking about a fifth element, which is mental health. Talk to me a little bit about what you do as a sports psychologist and a, also a, tri- a triathlon coach and how the two intersect for you. And I'm glad you're saying that because it's so it's so difficult to separate out the physical aspects of ourselves and the mental aspects. So I actually started off as a psychologist. So I got my training as a psychologist first, um, though I was always an athlete, uh, participated. In, I was a swimmer first, then a runner, added cycling actually to grad school as an adult and discovered triathlon that way. And I... I had just finished my uh, psychology training, my graduate program, and really started looking at the links between the um, endurance sports, actually, and the parallels between endurance sports and, uh, you know, mental health, basically, and the ways our minds work. So I divide the work I do in three in three different ways. So I work in a clinic, seeing athletes and uh, doing kind of traditional sports psychology, working on performance issues and also um, just people dealing with injuries, uh, obstacles to participation, trying to improve their sports, like, and looking at themselves as a whole people. So dealing with all the mental health and sports psychology stuff. And then as a coach, I'm just coaching, but really focused in also on the how to enhance performance through how people think, how they overcome obstacles, and just kind of being more in tune with what their minds are doing during sports um, and how to use that optimally. Aspect is also just getting new, new uh, beginners, new people into sports and being able to actually enjoy the things that I think traditionally maybe just people who thought they were athletic took advantage of so bringing more people into this yeah so I mean I'm a recreational athlete and I have recently experienced some anxiety around my training because what happened was I got super busy with work and I was looking at my training schedule and I looked at the schedule this week and I was like I am not even remotely getting half of those workouts done. And I started feeling really a lot of anxiety. And I had to have this like self-talk conversation where I was like, okay, look, you're not a professional athlete, number one. Number two, this is supposed to be fun. Number three, 
it doesn't matter if you do those workouts. It's not going to make a difference in five weeks from now at the race. Like I already have all the fitness built in. So, you know, that's just a, I think that's a common thing for athletes to kind of get overwhelmed by all the workouts in their schedule. And instead of being able to do sort of what I did, which was like, take a step back and look at it and get a grip on the reality of the situation, they make it worse, right? So talk to me about what you would advise. And then also like, what are some of the common things that you hear that recreational athletes come upon with training and sports? And I I love that you said that because one of the things I would ask, which you were doing for yourself is really like, yeah, how come I'm doing this? What, you know, this is for fun. What am I getting out? You know, what's the pressure I'm feeling and how come, right? Because I think being able to have space to kind of reflect, reground, just be like, yeah, how come this is so serious? And what, (laughs) you know. And also, you know, I think there's the whole culture of being so busy that we're in or just kind of overbooked. So I'm always thinking about how we balance life and, you know, how sports and recreation play into that, right? Yes. So I think, you know, finding room for your training, but also not taking it too seriously and just being able to get the benefits that we get, which are hopefully at least for recreational people, a mental break from all the other stuff, all the stresses in life, being able to be outdoors if you're outdoors, just all all that, whatever your benefits are. But I really like those, being able to get away and just be in my own head. Some of the stuff people are dealing with, I think it's, you know, one of those, there's so many areas, figuring out how how to train or being able to find the balance for that uh, would be one. I know I see people dealing with injuries who are really interested in their sports and there's a setback and trying to actually pivot or do some other activity can be hard, especially for recreational people who are really, really into their one thing or two things. Though I think triathletes have a little bit of a... Flexibility. (laughs) Yes. It's like, okay, you can work on something else. You can cross train, you know, like do shifting gears a little. I think that's why I love triathlon. You know, balancing it with family and other obligations. I mean, that's a big topic for you is balancing training with relationships. So how do you, I mean, my strategy is just to get my partner to be a triathlete, but... It seems to be working. (laughs) Oh, it does. Okay. So yes, that's one aspect. You get to spend time together. But if it's not getting the other person to do a sport, if they're not interested in any of this stuff, just really being able to communicate and support each other's passions, uh, goals, mental health, like, you know, for some of us, if we don't go out, like we're kind of moody and crabby. So your partner hopefully is like, I want you to go do your thing and come back happier, happier, yeah. more helpful person. But I think communication and making sure that your relationship is actually strong and both people are getting what they need um, and really you're excited for each other's. I've heard from friends, they could never do a triathlon because, you know, they've got like two kids and then they're married and they have this and they have that and they have work and, you know, it's not, but they want to. What do you say to people that like, you know, they've always wanted to do one, but they don't have time? Well, I think the place I I would go is actually looking at what the, what what are the schedules and what's the not having time. I know there are kids and again, all the busy life, but I think the more people actually do things that make them happy, the better they are as parents, the better they are <laughs> as partners. And it also gives the kids a uh, And the partner time to be like, what's important to me and how do we actually make things work for us? So maybe you're going together, you're doing separate stuff. Um, We're looking at how much time people are spending on their smartphones or their phones or computers. And there's time that I think sometimes gets squandered that can be used for something more useful. So just figuring that out. Especially over the past year with the pandemic or the past year and a half with the pandemic, I mean, people have really had to rethink their training, rethink their fitness, their exercise, and be inside. And I'm sure they spent more time on TikTok and Instagram than they have outside running or cycling, or, you you know, pools were closed. So yes, there is, I I feel like there is time or a way to actually practice 
prioritize and not feel like you have to do everything, right? So it may mean, again, like you're cutting out something else that's not as important and figuring out how to balance things and not feel guilt for actually taking time for yourself, especially as a parent. I think there's just so much pressure yeah. uh, for everything. So, and, you know, hopefully one of the things that's happened this year is that more people have been able to get outdoors if that was the only option and yeah. running, biking are so accessible if you're able. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how that's played out. The people who are used to training for events and having like goals like that obviously have had to just kind of not have that in the same way. How important is movement for mental health? There's so much research that shows that it is like so essential and is much, much more now where people are really encouraging that because we were actually very active people before we had all these ways that we get to not be active now if we don't have to. So it's one of the biggest recommendations I have for most people I work with, whether they're athletes or not, is just like being active, doing things, getting outdoors and actually finding the joy and the, finding joy in movement or reconnecting with that for people who've been disconnected from it without the pressure of, again, performing at a high level. So, so really useful for depression, anxiety, actual uh, substance use, being able to reduce that. Do you hear that a lot from athletes that are having anxiety around the other things around the sport? By the time people get to me many times, you know, because I think in sports, again, you're used to at that level being like my my work and my role is to do this thing and to do it really well and to get better and, you know, just to win or just be really good. And I think sometimes if people aren't the people surrounding the athlete or the athlete doesn't feel like they have room to actually be kind of a full person or advocate for themselves or like, you know, it's, it's your career, you're making money from it. Um, I think there's just pressure and the person's not actually allowed to be a full human <laughs> in right. many ways. The thing I'd say is it's nice to see athletes actually be like, hey, I have needs, I have an identity, I have things I want to do or don't want to do, um, whether it's depression or anxiety or mental health issue and maybe like you know I I really don't like doing this aspect of my work or I'm not in the space to do for whatever reason and yeah if I was at a job hopefully people would accommodate that right because I'm doing all these other things for them um so so it's nice to see people speaking up more and actually just being kind of full humans <laughs> and not just this performing person that entertains us or that competitive nature that makes an Olympic athlete successful is also something that can be a major cause of anxiety for them. Like, what are some positive mental lessons that we can get from some of the pros that make them successful? So I'd say even, the you know, because I think about competition so much and being a competitive person and, you know, the positives of that aspect is actually being able to engage with the the drive the fun around competition right yeah. so it's like how good can I get again this could be working both negative and positive but like just how good can I get how, how much can I master my mind or know myself or know again what I'm strong at or not um and actually work with it right instead of being upset with it it's like okay here are my here are the things I have a hard time with <laughs> Yeah. And how am I going to engage with that so I can, you know, compete at a high level or push myself without thinking it's, uh, if it doesn't go the way that I wish that, like, I'm a terrible person, right? So it's just being able to engage and be in the moments of what you're doing um, while still having a larger perspective of, you know, sort of who you are. I think. So I'd say being grounded in yourself. I, I keep thinking of Eliud Kipchoge, yeah. who you know, just seems to have his whole thing around the mental aspect. He spends a lot of time, I think, also by himself, thinking about himself, thinking about his thoughts, just being very in tune with himself. And I think sometimes, again, for recreational people, you're like, you know, we may just be adding on things and not really taking time to be like, what, what does this mean? What am I thinking? Because <laughs> they also have the benefit 
of having a lot of time to train, hopefully. Right. But that's their job, right? So it's like... You're you're doing it all the time and we don't get that benefit if it's sort of a... And for us, it feels like a benefit because we're athletes and we would love to do that full time. But for them, it might not seem like a benefit. Right? There's like that opposite perspective. Like maybe they want to start their own company separate and apart. And a lot of them do, actually. A lot of the pros will invest in other kinds of companies or pursue their passions. But we've, we've seen a lot more of that in the past, I don't know, 10 years than we have ever before. Yes, which which I think is really amazing, right? That people are, because it's such a, it takes such a toll on people's bodies also, yes. right? The mental and physical stuff that they endure or do, which obviously doesn't last very long. So it's nice to see people actually do really great stuff. When I was looking at up uh, Naomi, just seeing that she's actually co-owner of the, one of the women's soccer teams, I think, if I'm correct, and she's doing all this really great stuff, and it's very political, spoke up a lot around Black Lives Matter. She did, like, yeah. I remember that, yeah. She does really cool stuff. So it's like, hey, this person's doing very amazing things, and this is just one aspect of who they are. Yeah, <laughs> she's very cool. I mean, there's so many amazing athletes that are doing cool things now. I mean, and so speaking of athletes and sort of like bouncing back to you, how did you get into swimming? You said you were a swimmer and now then you were a runner. So I I grew up in Kenya and, you know, sports was very integrated in our school stuff. It was in everything. And so I joined the swim team sometime in elementary school and I was a good breaststroker that was my thing and I did that uh was gonna swim in college when I moved to the U.S. for college and started swimming then and by that time or started swimming in college and by that time I was just kind of burnt out so I quit then and started doing other sort of activities and I'd always run done some track and field and cross country but I never actually felt I never really enjoyed that. I yeah. enjoyed swimming more. Um, but when I began, I began cycling in California. It was a really good way to uh, spend my weekends when I was a broke grad student and and then discovered triathlon from that. And through triathlon, discovered that I actually was a better runner than any of the other um, <laughs> parts of triathlon and so I was like oh this is actually kind of cool all the people who pass me in this on the bike ride I get to pass running (laughs) and the competitive part of me was like oh this is nice so I started just kind of enjoying running more from that and again running takes less time so I've spent more time coaching running obviously the, the Kenyan connection with running and it's allowed me to take people back to Kenya to do uh, marathons, half marathons there, and just kind of engage more with the culture of running from... Do you run a camp in Kenya or do you, is it like an event or what is it that you're doing there and how can, I mean, are you going to do it for 2022 or 2021? So, so not this year. We had to cancel last year because of the pandemic. Um, so we're just kind of regrouping and seeing what's next. But we generally have taken people to do the Lawa Marathon, Half Marathon, and we train them. So I'll coach them here, set up a training plan for the month before we go, and then go tour the country in a very non-stereotypical way because I want people to actually see Kenyan from the lens of a Kenyan, right? And not so much just what people think about and connect with runners there, the, some of the professionals, and just kind of get to experience the culture and the running. I said without just being on a tour bus, so really just... Are you training people for at altitude? So we, so a, a, a lot of, we've had a mix of very serious runners who've come with us and like beginner people. Okay. Maybe this is actually, many of them have done their first half marathon ever in Kenya at 5,500 feet. <laughs> so... <laughs> on a hilly course and they've made it they've all been successful (laughs) you didn't tell them right like you just brought them there and you're like everything will be easy from now on (laughs) yes but it's such a beautiful course it's on a game reserve so people I mean even if you're very serious like you're kind of wishing you could just enjoy the scenery 
So, and most of our people are, do not, don't live in altitude. So we've just done the training where, wherever people are. And when we go there, we're there about a week before okay. the race. So there's some time to kind of <laughs> adapt, cool. but it's always more than you do here. So I feel like, I feel like those things will be back next year. I mean, I already see, I don't know, are you doing any races? Are you doing any races this year? I haven't signed up for anything, maybe closer to the year we'll see, but um, it's just been like, yeah, the, the kind of year where I think we've all, depending, I, I, I probably did one virtual race as a team group thing around voting, um, which was actually fun because I've been staying away from a lot of virtual stuff just because I've been working online yeah. and just everything, but um, hopefully the end of this year or next year. Just yeah. kind of reading and seeing where I am. I signed up for two seventy point threes and one Olympic. Yes, good for you. And and I was thinking, hopefully, also the energy around the events now when they they're coming back is just people. People were always appreciative, but maybe it will be in a different way too, right? Just yeah. To be able. To you know, I feel like people are so excited to. I mean, including myself, but to be back out there on the course, everything feels like it's starting to open up for the summer and fall. California has been slightly slower. So I'm just seeing more of some of the running things are finally getting permission. And there's a December marathon I tend to run and we'll, we'll see. Um, are you, where did you swim this morning? I, are the pools open? I was lucky to get vaccinated pretty early because of my job, but, but started uh, swimming. That was the first new thing I added back was uh, the gym I go to has an Oh, they have an outdoor pool. That's amazing. Yes. You know, there's been, there was that initial pivot from there's no races. So what are we going to do mindset to now the pivot back? Have you seen that? Like, can you talk about that a little bit? So I've seen that. And, you know, some of the athletes I work with, you know, a lot of college athletes. So they have had a really hard time because so much of what they do is, you know, they're, <laughs> what the schools are going to do, uh, having been in team sports, uh, worrying about COVID, being in the bubbles, but it's actually worked out well for everyone this year with having to adapt to not knowing if games are going to happen, what's going to happen and having to deal with everything. So it's been really cool seeing and helping people also adjust and just be flexible, right? Because that's been yeah. the whole thing this year is you can't really plan that far, but you're still training hard for something. So for, for you know, again, recreational endurance type people, I have always had the base of like, yeah, how do you enjoy your body? Enjoy being outdoors if you can, or whatever you're getting out of your sport, no matter whether you can race or not, right? Like we're not racing for money or anything. Um so helping people kind of reconnect with maybe their weak spots or yeah. like uh, strength training. We, we in California were locked in, in addition to the pandemic because of the fires, right? Yeah. So there was an, we couldn't even get outside the house or go on a walk. And having to learn to enjoy doing indoor workout videos, which is something I actually didn't like at all, uh, but I had yeah. to be like, well, this is what I have, right? Um, and it was actually kind of nice to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I actually have all these weaknesses and these weird random things that I never do, right? So just kind of having people be flexible and know that this things will change. <laughs> we get to enjoy racing and sometimes we just enjoy other stuff. So I think the big lesson, it feels like work with what you have where you are and learn. And, and I think that's like a lesson that people will take on with them for years to really rethink and appreciate their bodies and appreciate their space and appreciate what they have. And as you say that, I keep also thinking of the gratitude and actually being grateful, like, and having to remind ourselves, even in the hard times, right? Like, because we're all inside our own, like, whatever we're going through. But just being able to be like, actually, what do I have now that I'm not noticing that actually helps me remember you know, I have a house, I can work out in the house, I can jump around with these videos, I have Wi-Fi, right? Like that we, we do have these privileges that yeah. it's not what, we still lost something, but <laughs> I think just having to come back to like, actually what's, what's, what's actually wrong right now <laughs> yeah. for me, right? Like, and they could be something, but I need to remember what's not wrong and just try and be 
group almost. It would be like. Yeah. What kind of college athletes do you work with? Because you mentioned you work with a lot of college athletes. So lots of soccer, basketball, gymnasts. So I've had some swimmers. Um, and then I get lots of runners because of the running connection. Yeah. Um, those have been the majority. Do they all have like similar challenges mentally with sports or are there different ones that come up for each sport? Like do runners have a certain kind of mental hurdle that they're always trying to overcome versus basketball or have you seen those differences? I mean, just the main ways I'd separate those out would be like just dealing with team dynamics, yes. you know, with the group sports and maybe coaches and not feeling like many people have as much playing time or, you know, whatever comes with the right, group right. versus, you know, the individuals, more individual sports. Yeah, there's a little more like, yes, I'm focusing on myself and my own things. And then I also maybe don't have as much <laughs> Like, it's good. I get to do my own thing, but I don't maybe have as much feedback. Like, I may be pushing myself more or don't have as much kind of support that's outside. Because I think in a team environment, you're always comparing to a team. And with running or something like that, it's easier to almost have unrealistic expect expectations if the coaching is not. You know, you talk about recognizing and understanding who you are accepting it and then implementing that. So talk to me a little bit about that. So the thing I think uh, I'm referring to there is just being able to really like have a good sense of yourself as an, as an athlete, right? Like, so if I'm comparing and I'll give myself as examples because it's easier to talk about me and for myself as an example, I know that I'm someone, I'm competitive, but I also really just like, I don't like to be overly kind of structured if I'm training so specifically, I end up actually not enjoying my training as much. And I, I like to have the time kind of to think, be outdoors. I really enjoy being in nature. So this is sort of what I get out of sports that will be there no matter what, right? Whether there's races, whether I'm very fast or not, I don't care so long as I can be outdoors, right? And then I have close people who are even more competitive than I and are always about like, how do I push myself to the highest level? <laughs> I feel like that <laughs> and, person. I'm like, oh, I don't know anyone <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I may have thought I was that kind of person until I met someone who was even more like that. Then it's like, well, that's not me. And I don't need to be like them to still feel like, I, you know, I'm an athlete. There's someone else who may be going out and just happy to be out so so I think just being able to kind of know what kind of person you are and what your downfall may be or where you need to kind of relax a little bit or you know just kind of to know what you're trying to get out of what you're doing and why if you don't know that can just it's easy to get stuck in a loop and not know why your mental challenges with your patients or athletes that you work with where you had to kind of help them shift gears and help them be more flexible mentally? Yes, definitely. Like, and actually, yeah, trying to reconnect also with one, why do I love, why am I doing my sport? Why do I love what I'm doing? And, or are there other things, right? Like people have gone into all sorts of different sports that became more accessible when they couldn't train or meet with their teams, um, which, you know, we inspire each other because I hear stories and you're like, whoa, I've never tried this thing, whatever it is. <laughs> so it's been really nice, actually, in that way to just see people kind of come up with new things and love them, <laughs> you know, so and let go. And also remember, we're not going to be in a pandemic, hopefully forever, and we'll know how to <laughs> adapt to things. So. I feel like the pandemic is like the worst race day that ever happened. <laughs> yes it's like your your bike tires like blew out your sneakers like got stolen and <laughs> the water is frozen <laughs> what do you do <laughs> but i love that and actually as triathletes right like there's so many of those things that happen or can that's real happen. yeah yeah the training aspect or the mental preparation for the events also is incorporating just having to adapt right so yeah to be like what happens if this happens or something I never predicted happened? How do I want to engage with it? How do I imagine engaging with what 
whatever comes my way in the best way possible. I feel like, right? yeah, I mean, now I might just say, well, at least it's not a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's true. <laughs> and one, you know, just one thing, hopefully people pay attention to that I try to remember and remind people of, of is you never know what your results are going to be, right? Whatever you've done, however you've trained, however perfect you think everything's gone, it's like you never know what's going to happen. So the focus is never really on like, I need to win the thing. I mean, again, yeah. the professional you want to win, but you don't actually know if you're going to, right? So but like, I want to do this the best way I can and deal with the challenges the best way I can without completely losing it. And if I lose it, I'll, I want to regather myself and continue the, the best way I can. Or, you know, maybe, maybe the race doesn't end that day for you and you have to deal with that, right? So I think. When you don't get the results that you want, like, how do you respond and react in that situation? Yeah, yes. And again, I think it comes down to perspective as well. And the application I like to think about is in life, right? Like we don't actually know what's going to happen like in the next minute or the next hour. We like to think we do and we plan like we know what's happening. But so many things happen that are really hard in life and good. But I think the pain, you know, a lot of the pain we feel is because we think things should be a certain way. Our results should be a certain way versus just being in the experience and then having to deal with whatever comes right yeah and and letting go of feeling like I I'm in control of everything or it's gonna happen this way and I did this so this is gonna happen and honestly we don't know yeah I feel like actually accept that like we don't control everything (laughs) yeah I think I'm like the type of person I say I'm I want to be in control until I'm not in control So, yes. <laughs> and then when I'm not in control, that's okay because I factor that into the being in control. So, yeah. I know it's not a sure thing, but at least I can try. And then when yeah. I get there and everything falls apart, I'm going to still try to rally and have yeah. that part of the expectation. Yes. And then if it doesn't happen, it's a huge win. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you can remember those stories. I mean, I don't know yeah. how you've been for the things that don't actually go completely like you want in a race. Yeah, I go back and I try to do it again. (laughs) And they can also be kind of interesting stories if we're able to step outside uh, whatever our stuff is to be like, this thing happened and I'll remember the story forever because that was quite an experience. And the things that go smoothly sometimes aren't remembered. Yeah, I mean, I always have, I always, no matter what, I don't know why, I always have an issue with swimming in open water. And I know that now. So I know who I am. Like I get in the water, I freak out for 15 minutes and then I swim. It's just what happens, you know, and it's, it's like no matter, you know, you, you can be so strong physically, but you really have to build your mental muscles. You know, what is your advice for athletes to kind of build their mental strength in the face of adversity or challenging situations, whether it's challenging on a global level or just challenging for them individually? And I know these are all very quick answers for things we could talk about in so much detail, each one, but like, um, you know, I've talked about knowing yourself, knowing yourself well, and then being able to accept what's there, right? So if you're like, I'm someone, again, who's anxious in these situations or this thing is happening in the world that's making me anxious, there is some necessity to actually be like, yes, I accept that this is the reality, are there things I can do to change it, right? Like, so do I, what's the control I have? What's the power I have in these situations? And if I do have something I can do, then I'm going to try and do it. If there's not, then I need to also let go and just be like, well, maybe I am anxious at the beginning. So I'm doing some breathing. I'm doing some grounding. I'm listening to music, you know, whatever it is. I've found my technique. But I'm also not thinking, oh, if this comes up, it's terrible. It's more like, okay, I know I'll be anxious and it's okay. I'm doing this thing and then we'll move on, right? So it's almost like not not fighting the thing so hard, but trying to work with it. It's almost like my anxiety is my friend and I'm carrying it with me and trying to calm it down without just trying to fight it and squash it away. 
And I'd say the same thing with things that are larger in the world. We've dealt with so much this year in this country, especially. Um, but I think people also really need to look at like, yes, what's my role in everything? How do I make things better? And just what do I have power in and what don't I? And how do I focus on that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's easy to be overwhelmed and either give up or like just <laughs> close off and not do anything, which is not useful. So. <laughs> do you ever talk to people about if they have fear and anxiety around whatever it is that they're doing, like whether that's real or if it's manifested, for example? Yes. <laughs> okay. There are sharks and jellyfish, but not in a lake. <laughs> so, you know, yes. what's real, what's not real. And I do that exercise with myself, but I know it's, for me, it's just swimming. It's what Matt likes to say, catastrophizing, you know, yes. something that's going to happen that hasn't mm -hmm. happened and you're just yes. making it, you're manifesting it. So how do you mm -hmm. advise people in those situations? And, you know, I, I actually haven't mentioned this, but I really like, especially, I really like people writing things down because okay. our head our heads like just spin and it's easy to just kind of get caught in our own thoughts so I, like what you said I would actually just write like yeah what are the things I'm actually worried about I'm making my list of all the things however big or small they seem maybe what what are and again then you're looking at that list and actually being like what's the real you know how likely is this to happen <laughs> maybe I'm giving a percent of and then maybe you're weeding it down to, okay, there's maybe one thing on there I'm, con I'm concerned about that could actually happen. And then how will I address that if it comes up? Yeah. So sort of how prepared I am. And then I also need to come back to, again, maybe a more mindfulness practice focusing on my breath or the waves or some, you know, whatever your thing is that helps you. I like the idea of writing it down. I think that's a good idea. And because I'm such a strategy person too. I think a lot of triathletes, I would speak and I feel I could represent, are definitely type A personalities who, you know, are looking for strategies. I mean, the more serious athletes, I just think that's like part of the culture of triathlon. So I do like the idea of making a list and then going through it and maybe putting like real in your head and yes. sort of drawing the lines. Yeah, I mean, there's so much training that's like you're looking at a plan and following a thing. And I think it's fine to create that for the mental aspects. Uh, actually seeing like, here's my plan and I'm actually practicing it every time I go out for training, right? So it's also on race day. That's also important. Yeah. Back to where we started, which is like, you know, bringing mental health and building mental strength for any kind of situation, whether it's positive or negative. Now to bring this topic front and center in your life after we've all been through the pandemic and into training are you seeing an uptick in people being more interested in their mental health yeah so we've had um and actually so this would be the other plug for we're always looking for good people to add to our team of like therapists psychologists because we've had a really hard time meeting demand. I know lots of other people in the field have, and we've always stood out just because of that intersection of sports and psychology, yeah. like actually being able to merge and work with athletes well or help other people get more, uh, use, use physical activity to improve their mental health. So we've just been really full and it's been really hard turning people away and having months of wait lists because of the way our system is structured for mental health services. And you've, so, you've had to also kind of pivot with your business, right? With, you know, going digital because you saw this increase, but then you also were offering digital or online offerings. Yeah. So we, we're still working uh, like virtually, nothing's in the office yet, which, you know, was an adjustment for us who are used to being in space with people or being outdoors with them. But the positive thing is also it's allowed us to see people who are further away from us, right? And just kind of accommodate people's schedules much easier because we're working from home. Um, so it's been good. I, I don't know how and when things are gonna shift to in-person, um, but there, yeah, there's definitely been like the, such a rise. And I think also many mental health people were overwhelmed themselves because yeah. we were going through this thing with everyone else at the same time and having 
to support people and really take care of ourselves so that we could be present for the same worries that we're having that everyone else is Were you having. able to really like dig deep into all of your years of training in psychology to help yourself and your family with this? Yes, because I think it's been probably the hardest year for me and for, again, many of the folks I know in the field for it for the pandemic and then also for all the race stuff that came up, especially being a black person in the yeah. field, it felt like double things. And then you're dealing with everyone else also going through their own version of almost the same thing. Because usually as providers, you have such variety in what we're working with. You're never really kind of on a parallel thing with everyone at the same time where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic also, but you know, I need to take care of myself, be able to take the breaks, turn to the things I turn to, which are still available, some weren't available to me, just so I could actually be present and not overwhelmed when I was with people. And it was helpful to see, to be able to do that without vacation, without travel, <laughs> having to take a staycation, which would not be my first choice, but having to make it work just so I was not burnt out. You're a psychologist and you're looking for other psychologists and practitioners, but what if there were coaches that wanted to learn how to, maybe they're not going to go to college to be a psychologist at this point of their career, but maybe they want to learn how to advise on mental health at a, at a different level, obviously. But, you know, are you offering any training programs for coaches that could learn a few things because there's all these Ironman coaches out there and I'm one of them. And, you know, it would be great to have some tools beyond what we know instinctively that could be helpful for clients. Yeah, I, I haven't done that in any structured way, but like you're bringing up a really good <laughs> idea. And if there are a whole bunch of coaches want to hire yeah. me or start something together that actually... Um, gets that work. I think that would be great. More because that's a really good idea and something that would benefit so many athletes with all their problems. We see that athletes go through sometimes with their coaching. I think it's like a a microcosm, like the athlete world of like the world, right? Like we we just are more confrontational about the issues or the things that come up mentally because we're in it day to day, which is why I think it's also great for people to be athletic because you can set goals, not achieve them, achieve them, have challenges, and take that back to everyday life. Yes. No. I know you mentioned you're looking to bring on more practitioners, more psychologists, more sports psychologists into your practice in Sacramento. And obviously these people can practice virtually online as well. So are you putting this out to colleges or are you looking for all levels? Tell me about your practice. (laughs) So I was based in the Bay Area for a very long time, just moved to Sacramento a year, about two years ago. But we have offices in Davis by UC Davis, uh, in Sacramento, in Berkeley, and also in a town called Pinole, which is near Berkeley. So we're expanding as needed. We've just been California-based, but again, if there's so much interest somewhere else, I'm happy to talk with people who are interested in growing. We, so far, all our therapists are licensed people, so either, they either have masters or have had doctorates. That's the level we'd be looking for as licensed folks. And we're also really committed to making mental health accessible to people. So we actually are very insurance based. We take several different insurances so people aren't having to just pay out of pocket for all their services, right. which we're really proud of because it's hard to find people who actually take insurance because insurance companies can be challenging to work with um, sometimes. Um, so yeah, so just people who want to expand and really work at those intersections. At what point of your career, because I know you said you were swimming, where did the calling for you come to be a psychologist? And why sports? So I actually decided when I was in high school, so there were no psychology classes in Kenya at the time. So, and I was reading a book and there was a psychologist in it. And I was like, that's cool. I never knew what I wanted to do before this. And when, and I was like, oh, this seems to work with my personality and 
with the way I think about the world. Um, so when I came to college, I just started psychology classes and really enjoyed them and just kind of went from there. I didn't know I was going to link it with psych with sports. Uh, I until I actually started practicing and and knowing that like I saw so much benefit from what I got, uh, I you know found so so much uh, what what you call it solace uh, from my sports growing up and dealing with just life some of the challenges I was going through as a young person. And I think when I learned more about psychology, I was like, oh, sports really actually overlays this really well if people are able to see the parallels. And I also found that it was easier to connect. I was working with a lot of youth uh, at the beginning of my career and just found that it was easier also when we went on a walk together during a therapy session and didn't have to just sit staring at each other talking like so much more. It happened so much easier. People are open, you're walking around, kind of like we make friends so much easier sometimes when you're just running together. I just started trying to merge them. And then obviously seeing all the research on how it actually helps people <laughs> and being able to be like, oh, this is why I found it so helpful when I've had challenging times in my life to actually just be like, if I don't run or do something, I really am serious. Like the day is not right <laughs> until I've worked out and had my routine. And then it's like, oh, I'm a nicer person now. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. I get it. So that's how it evolved. And I was also doing some work in the hospitals and helping kids and families who are having a hard time with their health based on food and exercise. Uh, issue, you know, like not having as much exercise yeah. or mm, as much access to healthier food. So we were helping kind of get them engaged in activities. And we started training their kids and families to do triathlons. And again, starting to get different types of people into triathlon than what we usually see. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad we got to connect. Thank you so much. And good luck also with your first race, Matt. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. <laughs>